Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I'm your host, DG, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 12. The guest is going to be Hall of Fame quarterback, former Oilers quarterback, Warren Moon. You'll hear from him in a bit. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Appreciate all the support. If you've been with us from the beginning, you're one of my favorite people in the world. If you haven't checked it out, I still like you, but go ahead and listen to the other episodes because they're all pretty good. Great conversations with Houston sports stars and names of the past. So good stuff there. Like I mentioned, this is episode 12. And if you kind of caught on a little bit of a theme with the music that I play at the beginning, it's a lot of Latin music to kind of introduce every one of our segments, episodes, interviews. Um, That's because I am from Cuban descent. I was born in Chicago. But my family all came from Cuba. Anytime I get to splice in some Latin music and what I'm doing, I definitely go for it. We've heard a little bit of samba. We've heard a little bit of cumbia. Uh, That music at the beginning just want to make you dance. In fact, I'm going to bring it up right here again. See, you you just kind of want to get down a little bit, no? Maybe it's just me just dancing in this empty audio booth. That's okay. I like that music. So uh, it'll be a different Latin song. Latin music song from here on out, every episode kind of leading into this thing. As I mentioned, Warren Moon is our guest today on the podcast. He is fantastic. Uh, One of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game at any level, NFL, CFL. Just to give you an idea, Warren Moon, here are his professional football stats. I mean, it's hard to find somebody that even comes close to this. If you combine his NFL and CFL stats from all his professional football days, 5,357 completions in 9,205 attempts for 70,553 yards and 453 touchdowns. Crazy. Uh, His list of accolades, I mean, I could start naming them all, but we'd be here a while. Nine-time Pro Bowler, all-pro selection, multiple Grey Cup MVP. He's actually a Rose Bowl MVP. We actually talk about that during our conversation. But we also get into what he's doing now, other than spoiling his grandchildren. He's got six of them. It's kind of like my dad with my son. They're like best friends. So he's like best friends with his grandkids. Um, Give them all the candy in the world and send them back to the parents. I know all about that. Thank you, uh, Poppy. Uh, He does a good job with uh, my son. They're best buds, by the way inseparable they are but uh i digress yeah warren makes a lot of trips to houston he's living in seattle these days makes a lot of trips to houston anytime he can to catch the grandchildren but he's also spent a lot of time with deshaun watson watson a big fan of moon they've become good friends over the years since deshaun left clemson and warren along with deshaun Vince Young and Andre Ware are all part of this group called the Brothers in Arms. They've started this scholarship to kind of promote and support kids looking to realize their dreams like they did. Uh, I'll let Warren describe what the scholarship is all about, how it all came about. They're going to be doing some good things for the community. These guys have always done good stuff for the community, always been ingrained in what Houston is all about football-wise and what being a Houstonian is all about. Funny story from Warren from the first time he got here to Houston from the CFL. I'll let you listen to it and the rest of it right here on this episode. Check it out. Former Oilers quarterback Warren Moon joining me here on the podcast. Warren, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan, and it's great to, great to be here. I love coming back to Houston. Sure. Got a lot of roots here. Um, this is where it all started for me in the NFL. And yeah. 
We've got a lot of family that still lives here, so it's a great time to always come back. So before we start talking about your football life and your journey through this game uh, that we both love, right? You to a different extent. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do want to touch on the uh, this new initiative that you have the uh, Brothers in Arms initiative yeah. you have with Andre Ware and Deshaun Watson. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, man, that's perfect. Yeah. Is that how you guys saw it, that, hey, this is kind of a perfect combination of blend with what we can do? Right. So kind of walk me through what started it, uh, what it does, and why it's so important to you. Well, Patty Smith uh, presented the idea from the Houston Sports Authority to, to Andre Ware, and we, we all knew each other, there's no question about it, for years. Uh, I've known uh, De, uh, Deshaun since he came out of college. And of course, Vince and, and Andre, since they were really young guys, but we we never oh, yeah, that's right. we, Vince we, young too. Sure. yeah we never really thought about all the things we did have in common, and and the one, the one thing that really brought it all together was the fact that we all came from single mom homes. We were all raised by single moms, so that was something that kind of brought everything together. We all um, have had our successes in some type of relationship here in Houston, whether it was Andre playing at U of H or, or Vince being from right here at Madison High School mm -hmm. and going on to UT. Deshaun, of course, being the quarterback here now, and then I, me being here for 10 years. So um, we all are involved in the community in some sort of way, and, and uh, I was always involved in this community when I was living here. So this is a way for me to get back involved in the community and, and do something with a bunch of guys who we all have kind of that uh, same relationship of being quarterbacks, being African-American quarterbacks, mm -hmm. being raised by single moms, uh, ha being educated, and um, being wanting to give back to, to young kids who, who – uh, have the same type of dreams and aspirations that we had as young people, but we needed an opportunity, and we want to give some of those opportunities to some young students here in Houston. What are those conversations like between you guys when you're able to get together? Because, you know, football, sports are all clubs, right? And then yeah. those clubs are broken up into individual little segments. Like, this is a such a unique club that you guys have. What are those conversations like? What are the stories that you guys share back and forth? Well, they're mainly about uh, – you know, just how we're all doing, because everybody's yeah. always concerned about each other's health, uh, what what each other's doing with their lives right now, because we're all doing different things, and uh, how our families are doing. So those are the things we, we're more concerned about. And then we get into the specifics of, of how we want to make this scholarship a success, you know, different ways to fundraise for it, um, what we're going to do the actual night of the event at, at the Houston Sports Awards, how we're going to present them, all those types yeah. of things. So there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, it's great being able to communicate with these guys. And, and then we also you know, do a little trash talking. Too. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Reflecting on careers oh, and all yeah. sorts of stuff. Oh, so yeah. let's do that with you a little bit. Uh, when you kind of sit back, and I don't know how long or how much of this you do, when you sit back and kind of appreciate the journey that you've been on, what, what kind of pops in your mind? Uh, a long career, yeah. um, a career that took a lot of different uh, twists and turns and ups and downs because of the way I had to do it, especially during the time that I had to do it. Mm -hmm. But it was something that uh, I feel very proud of, that I was able to make it through all that and, and be able to kind of open the doors for another set of, of African-American quarterback generation to, to get opportunities because of some of the things I was able to do on the field, some of the things Doug Williams did when he yeah. played is winning a Super Bowl and Randall Cunningham, we all played during the same time. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we had a lot of success at a high level during that time, it really opened up the doors for, for that next generation of guys. And now you see what's going on in the league now. Um, guys are just flourishing. The top four or five quarterbacks in this league right now are all African-Americans. Mm -hmm. We've got four of them in the playoffs. Yep. A chance to get another one or two in the Super Bowl. So uh, 
the opportunities are there, and, and we feel a great uh, part of that, that we all played a, a little bit of a part in that happening, uh, because that's what I'm most proud of, that I left the game. I left the game with a legacy of, of being able to uh, help other guys, and that's kind of what I'm all about anyway in my, in my makeup. What was that like? You kind of walk through or kind of tell people what was that like coming through at, a, at an earlier age. You, you know, you in the high school, and then you kind of you kind of go to you kind of figure out, okay, I'm going to play at the next level. We go to Washington, yeah. and do you know the the gradual steps that you took? What was that like in your mind, kind of going through all that, both the successes and failures that accompany it? Yeah, you know, when you're living it, you're just trying to survive it and get through it. So you don't really think about it a whole lot. You're just trying to figure out what's the next move. What do I have to do next to get get the chance? Mm-hmm. How how hard do I have to work to get to this next obstacle? So there's a lot of obstacles you obstacles you have to go over uh, throughout that that journey. And and are you willing to keep going over those, or at some point are you going to get frustrated and just quit and give up? And that's something that just wasn't in me. So I was going to continue to keep doing what I needed to do to um, to make some things happen for me. And and uh, of course I got some doors shut in my face along the way, but but um, I was I persevered enough to keep going. Because I had a goal set in mind, and I and I always had the confidence that I could play the game and play it at a high level, and it was just a matter of finding the right opportunity, the right person that believed in me, and and fortunately I found enough people that believed in me along the way at every level yeah. that I got those chances and I made the most of those opportunities when I got them. So that's what I try and tell young people is is you you're going to get discouraged sometimes, but you just have to keep uh, you got to keep plugging away, and at some point somebody's going to give you that chance. And you've got to make sure you're ready when that sure. chance comes. You you can't be down in the dumps. You can't be feeling sorry for yourself. You got to keep plugging away and improving yourself for when that knock on the door happens. And it was a roller coaster of emotions there for you after college because yeah. you just come off winning the Rose Bowl, MVP of the Rose Bowl, yeah. beating Michigan, huge upset. Um, Let's talk about that because I'm a Northwestern guy, and yeah. the Rose Bowl is always so special. <laughs> yeah, I know we've only been huge. there two times, but. Um, what was that like? What was that moment like to, to beat Michigan on that stage? What did it do for you, the confidence that it gave you? Because you'd been playing a couple of years at Washington, but then that kind of put you on the, on yeah. the national stage a little bit more. I, you that. know, I still say that's one of the most uh, uh, exciting sports moments in my career of yeah. all the different things that I've done. I've won championships. Um, I've been to playoff games. I've done all of that. But, Isn't that crazy? But to, as a young kid, it started because I used to watch that game living in Los Angeles, yeah. always wishing I could go to that game, but I, we could never afford to, to go to the Rose Bowl. Right. So I always watched it on television, and I watched all the different schools that came through, mm. and USC used to basically dominate it, UCLA a little bit, a little bit of Stanford, and then you always had Oregon, I mean, make that Ohio State or Michigan coming in from the Big Ten. One of those two schools always represented. Yeah. So. That's what I remember most about it, watching those games. It was always that, that time of day where, in California, a beautiful sunny day. It's always uh, a great weather day. No matter for the, what the oh. weather is yeah. leading up to that game, it was always a beautiful sunny day. It starts out that way, and then as the game ends, you know the lights come on and the sun goes down behind the stadium. It's just a beautiful setting yeah. uh, for football. That's why they call it the granddaddy of them all. It comes on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, That's it. 5 o'clock in the east, just a perfect time. So... I was always mesmerized by that game and I always dreamed of playing in it. Now to get a chance to actually play in it uh, as a senior in college, highlight of my career just because of what it meant to me watching it all those years as a young kid growing up. As a young kid growing up, what were those days like? How did they shape you to become the person that you eventually became? Well, growing up, you know, I grew up without a dad. Um, mm-hmm. My mom 
basically raised us. Uh, it was myself and six sisters, and I was kind of the man at the house, man of the house at a very, six very young wow. age. Yeah, so I took on a lot of responsibility at a very early age, and and I really took that uh, that title on as man of the house like full bore. You know, I probably didn't enjoy myself as much as a young kid as I yeah. should have because I kept thinking I had all this responsibility to take care of my sisters, making sure everybody's safe, making sure I'm have the house locked up at night, all these different things that a seven, eight, nine-year-old shouldn't be, shouldn't be having mm-hmm. to worry about. Um, but that's the way it was. And then I watched the way my mother uh, kind of managed and orchestrated our house. You know, we lived in a small two-bedroom house with all those kids, but it was immaculate because she had everything in a place. There was always a place for everything. And we always had clean clothes. We always had hot meals. Uh, she re-educated herself, went back to school and became a, a private duty nurse. Uh, worked at night, came back home in the morning, had us ready for school. So it was just amazing how she was able to manage all that. And I and I noticed all that, and I watched it and watched how You I can't happened. help but notice yeah, it, right? I mean, and it motivated me yeah. as far as my makeup of who I am. And, mm-hmm. and it also motivated me to, to get to a point where I could be successful, maybe one day take care of her so she didn't have to do all these things for me. So she got me involved in sports at a very young age, basically to be around other boys because Mm -hmm. I had all these women in the house, (laughs) and then to have some mentors in my life, coaches. So a lot of my coaches became like father figures to me. So that was the main reason why she did it. And and I love playing sports, so it it fit right in with what I wanted to do. And and I kind of just – gravitated towards the quarterback position mm-hmm. and and the leadership of, of that position basically because of my makeup of, of growing up i was going to ask you i mean a, it was a little bit of a mature little kid so. yeah you're built that was built in you from a yeah. young age that leadership so I, I started playing at 11 years old and uh all the way until i retired <laughs> so you you win the rose bowl mvp so that's that's the ultimate high for you right in, in, yeah. in your career and then you don't get drafted right what were you thinking at that point when you then decided to go to the CFL? Well, there was a lot that led up to that. Mm-hmm. First of all, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to go to the CFL or the or NFL draft six weeks prior to the draft because their draft was, was earlier because mm. their season okay. starts earlier. So I had to sit down with my agent, and we, we kind of went through the pros and cons of staying or leaving. Um, and the, pro, and, the, and the, uh, the positive side of it was go to Canada because – they were going to let me play quarterback. Gotcha. Everything we were getting from the NFL, they were probably going to change my position, maybe not even get drafted. Um, I wanted to play quarterback. I felt like I could play quarterback, and mm-hmm. I didn't care if you had to send me to Siberia. <laughs> I was going to play quarterback if they were going to give me the chance to play. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, and I went up to Canada, had a really good career up there. But, of course, I'm up there really not wanting to be there as my first choice. Because mm-hmm. as a young kid growing up, I dreamed of playing in the NFL. Like any other kid who wants to play football, they want to be in their country and they want to be in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so I was bitter at times, but we were so successful up there that sometimes winning cures everything. And but let you kind of forget all yeah, the rest of the stuff. Yeah. But I'm still I'm away from home. I'm in another country. I don't know a lot of people except for the guys on my team. So there was a lot of lonely lonely nights because I was by myself. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. married at the time. Um, and I lived by myself, and and uh, it, it got cold up there, believe oh, it or not. Oh, I, I bet. <laughs> believe I'm, it or not. So, I bet. Uh, you, you're sitting and you're watching NFL games on TV, and you're wishing or wondering why why I'm not out there playing with these guys that I feel like I'm just as good as they are. But I, I am in a great situation where I'm making good money, I'm winning football games, yeah. but I'm not really where I want to be. Did you think that it was it was just a matter of time that you'd be able to jump 
to the NFL? Like, what was the mindset? I didn't I mean, know. I you, mean, you could have you gone either way, right? You could have kept pushing or you could have let that stuff kind of get to you. Yeah. And I'm sure that's kind of a, a message that you still preach yeah. to this point, right? Well, I had so much pride in my, uh, in my ability that I, I wanted to just keep getting better and keep improving. Yeah. And like I told you earlier, the, the thing is, you just keep getting better and, and trying to improve yourself. So one day if that call does come, you're ready for it. So um, that's what I did. I wanted to become the best player that I could be in Canada, and I, I ended up doing that. And then the NFL team started calling me probably two years before uh, my, my contract was over. That was one of the things that kept me up there so long. I signed another contract. Gotcha. And I was under contract, so I couldn't leave any earlier than I wanted to. What was the feeling when the NFL team started calling? It was a great feeling, but it was like, you know, what took you so long? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, finally, gosh, yeah. what have you been watching? Um, but, you know, <laughs> because I wasn't drafted, it put me in a better position because mm -hmm. I was a free agent now. So as a free agent, there was no free agency in football at that time. I could go wherever I really wanted to as far as if that team was interested in me. So mm -hmm. fortunately, I had six teams that really made a serious bid for me, and I, I put those teams in a bidding process and ended up being the highest paid player in football when I came out of Canada. So as bad as it was for me having to go up there in the first place, it ended up working out pretty good for me, and I ended up going to a place where I wanted to go, which was here in Houston. Initial thoughts of Houston when you got here? Everything that you would imagine. <laughs> it was That's Texas. Our, yeah. It was Texas. You yeah. know, I opened my closet when I when I went to my hotel room. There's a pair of boots sitting there for me. No kidding. There's belt. There's a belt with a big buckle on it. There's a jacket. <laughs> there's a jacket. And there's a cowboy hat in there. So all of it was sitting there yeah. waiting for me to to, to put on as my uh, as my new outfit. So yeah, it was Texas. There's no question about it. You play, you're playing here in Houston, and you, you see the team develop around you. Yeah. Um, and you get to a point where, well, you guys are pretty good out there. What was, the, what was that like for you to see the development happen around you, the leader of this team, the guy they brought in to kind of set this all in motion to finally see all that hard work kind of pay off with victories on the field? Yeah, there was some, there was some very uh, tough days in the beginning. Those first two or three years – as we were building the football team through the draft, you know, we had some losing seasons. And, and of course, the quarterback takes a lot of that blame because uh, you, you're the guy. You, that's, what you, that's what you sign up for. Yeah. You're either going to get a lot of the praise that you don't deserve, but you're going to get a lot of the criticism that you don't always deserve as well. So I took a lot of that criticism, and, and I heard a lot of boos and a lot of nasty things uh, said about me from the stands. Sure. My, my family now, I had a family at yeah. this time, so they're exposed to a lot of that. And that's what I was more worried about than anything else, not so, not so much myself, because I had dealt with that all the way through college, and, and, and uh, I, I knew kind of what, what to expect, that we were coming down here, we were going to rebuild something, and eventually it was going to turn out, but it was going to be some tough days, and there was some. So 1992 rolls around, great team. Um, we know what happened in the playoffs. Not going to yeah. talk about the playoffs, uh, but I do want to talk about that 92 season. Because it was for me, and kind of a little anecdote, uh, I moved from Chicago to Houston in 1992, and the first NFL game I ever went to was a Bengals-Oilers game. Really? Yeah, back in 92 in the Dome. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I first heard the song. Houston, Houston Oilers song. number one. <laughs> and the I, Miami Dolphins, too. Yeah, I, I got to ask you. be the same song. Yeah, right. I got to ask you, when, when you heard the song... What, what did you think? You know, the first time I heard it was in a Monday night game when I was in Canada, and Earl Campbell 
was uh, a rookie with the Oilers. Okay. And that was the, the night that I kind of fell in love with Houston fans because of the, the blue pom-poms yep. and watching Earl run for, I don't know, he, I think he ran for 190 yards or something on Monday Night Football. And they played that song every time they scored <laughs> points. So I had heard it before I got here, but to actually hear it, uh, it was pretty cool. Is it cheesy, right? It's cheesy. At first, it's cool. Then it becomes a little cheesy. We scored a lot of touchdowns. I know, right? <laughs> After a while, it's like, okay, no. Okay, enough right. Houston Oilers. Uh, but I do want to ask you about the 93 season. It was crazy. It's been well documented. All, all. What was that team like? What was it being on that team? What was the camaraderie like and everything that went about it? Uh, like I said, it's been well documented with you guys, the one yeah. and four to 12 and four, all yeah. that. But That was a uh, very interesting year. It has been documented. But we were a really close team, and I think that's the only reason why we were able to get through everything that we dealt with that season is because we had good leadership on that team, we had great talent on that team, um, and we had great resolve on that team. Um, but it seemed like by the end of the year, we were just mentally exhausted just yeah. having to deal with all the things that we dealt with. You know, uh, you, I got benched early in the season uh, because we got off to a slow start. Um, then I come back and we and we and we turn kind of turn things around. What was that like, uh, by the way, when you when that that move was made? You just you know I didn't agree with it after but, so many but, years in the league. But, yeah, you know the, the you know Coach Pardee told me that he needed a spark. He needed yeah. something to change, and usually that's the place you're going to change things. So even though I understood it, I didn't agree with it. But my my mindset again was, don't hang your head. Be ready. Just keep making yourself yeah. ready because you don't know when that call is going to come. And it ended up coming in the first half of that first game against uh, New England. Um, Cody got hurt, I think, uh, early in the ball game, and I ended up going right back in, and, and you know things kind of turned around from there. But during that same game, that was the game that David Williams had uh, had uh, stayed home with his wife, who had just had a baby, and that became a big story of Babygate and. <laughs> Uh, we had a player, Jeff Alm, who committed suicide during that season. And of course, I got benched. We had the buddy Ryan, Kevin Gilbride. Oh, it's all over the, the place. Line. All this stuff became national stories. You know, it wasn't just something that happened right here yeah. in Houston. So it was something we had to deal with as a team all the time and listening and, and answering questions about things that had really not much to do with football. What was the difference? Because in this world that we live in now with so much media saturation, I mean, it's everything is everywhere all the time. Can you imagine that 93 season with this Not media environment? I mean, what was it like back then? It was a lot for it you guys to deal us. with. There's but. no way. Yeah, if, 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 if it would have been in the social media environment that we live in now, it's no telling how big these things would have would have become. But And what would have happened uh, to that team, right, during the yeah, season? Right? Yeah, it, it might have imploded. You never know. But, but, again, we were a very talented team. We won 11 games in a row. Yeah. Nobody had done that for a long time, mm -hmm. and it took a long time before somebody else did it again. So, um, again, that was one of those teams that you really wish would have gone further because it sure. was a good enough team to win it all, I thought. We've seen a lot of great wide receiver cores. You had a pretty good one we that did. year. Haywood yeah. Jeffries, Ernest yeah. Givens, Curtis Duncan, I can keep going on and on. All, How do three those guys, those, all three of those guys made the Pro Bowl that year. Yeah, you know, from one team. That, that's how good we were when we spread the ball around. How fun was it to play with those guys? It was great because they were all hard workers. Um, they all wanted to be good, um, and they all wanted the football. And you want guys who want the football. Yeah. There's some guys that shy away from the ball, especially in the biggest moments. All those guys wanted the ball, and I tried to spread it around as much as I possibly could to keep all of them happy, so they always stayed involved, always ran their routes hard, even if they weren't going to get the ball. You know, you mm -hmm. got to have guys 
clearing areas out for another guy Definitely. to come open. So all that works in conjunction with each other, and the way you keep the, everybody happy is you spread it around. How would you guys as an offense stack up in today's game? You know, with the way the rules are right now, we'd kind of be unstoppable. I bet. You know, because you just you can't be as physical with the receivers anymore. You can't make the big hits on receivers anymore. You can't intimidate guys like that. They protect the quarterback so well. Um, you were kind of wish and, that. And we, had a, we had a very <laughs> wide open offense. So yeah. it would have fit right in with today's football. Did you wish you had another crack at it with that group? I did. When I got traded, I was uh, when it all I all, all the I pieces moved. Why you know and all that, but and a lot of it had to do with business, salary mm -hmm. cap, and that type of thing. But I still knew that I had more good football left in me, and I ended up playing seven more years. And but I also thought the rest of that team could have stayed together at least one more try, you know. But that's not the way it went. Do you think you could have gone to a Super Bowl with that team if you could stay together? I, a little it was bit? it was talented enough. There's no yeah. question about it. Um, and I think the the fact that we got beat, you know, at home in the divisional round would have been something that really would have uh, motivated us the next year to not to to get it done and finish it. What was the feeling like um, when it all the pieces were moving when you got traded? On the conversations with the guys, what was it was it was it was sad because not only were you splitting up a really good football team, a bunch of guys were really close together, but also the team was going to be moving uh, yeah. within a year or two. I think it was. Yeah. So now you've got the team pretty much a lame duck football team because everybody knows they're moving to, to Tennessee. Nobody's attending the games. And I felt bad for the guys. I'm in Minnesota, but I'm, I'm sure. definitely in touch with what's going on back here at home. And I felt bad for those guys who run out of that tunnel. You know, there's 10,000, 15,000 people in the Astrodome. You know, that, that, that's sad for uh, – especially for a city like Houston who's such a great football city. Right. But they also knew the writing was on the wall that, that they were out of here. So why why support somebody that doesn't want to be here? When did it not – when was it not awkward for you to hear the Houston Texans? Yeah. Because you were part of the Oilers. And so when, when was it – I guess it was the whole phase. You go to Tennessee, then the Tennessee Oilers and the Titans. But when was it not weird for you to hear Houston Texans. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing I was happiest about is that they got a team back here in Houston because this, yeah. this fan base deserved a football team. And I think they were promised by the mayor at that time that they would have a, a team within five years. Well, it took 10 years. Mm -hmm. and if you can imagine a city as big as Houston, a city that loves football as much as Houston does, waiting 10 more years before they get a professional football team, it was like a big black eye to the city. So I was just happy that they got a team – the city had a chance to be involved in the naming of that team, and uh, it, it got off to a good start. I find it so bizarre when we go to Tennessee, you look up in the stands, yeah. all the names of the Oilers. I'm like, this. You're, you find it bizarre. I'm sure you do. I, I mean, what my, is that? I got my number retired there in, in, in Nashville. Yeah. I had to speak to the fans at halftime. Half those people would never, or maybe more, had never seen me play. And I'd never played in that stadium before, and now my number's up there. It's, it's just a weird, weird – it's almost like you, you're living in a black hole or something like what that. What do you guys talk about with the guys that are were part of that group? And that's – you know, you talk to old Oilers players, and they always feel that that, that history should have stayed. Is that how you feel yeah. man, that should be? And I, I know politics get in the way exactly. and all sorts of things happen, but is that how you your impression of it? I wish it could have, but I know the owner wanted to yeah. to leave and, and have a clean slate and start over fresh in, uh, in Nashville. But, yeah, I wish all of our history would have stayed here because I played on uh, other different teams, so I still have 
a place to go. Say on 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 uh, when you have your reunion. Yeah, can, alumni. There's three other places weekend. I can go and, and say I'm an alumni. There's a lot of guys that only played for the Houston Oilers. They don't have an alumni weekend because there is no Houston Oilers anymore. Yeah. But um, what Miss Adams has done now is she's reached out to all the former Oilers, and we had a um, a uh, homecoming last year. Okay. Um, and we invited back all the all the former Oilers. A lot of them showed up. We had a great time reminiscing and all that. And now they're making this an annual thing where the Oilers now feel a part of. Uh, of who they used to be. So is that, I mean, are you starting to sense that it's a kind of turning in the right direction? Yeah, it is. It is because again, those guys, not only myself, but those guys need to to feel like they have a place that they could call home, you know, because Mm -hmm. they gave, you know, some of those guys played like a Ray Childress. He played his whole career, I think for the Oilers. And, and now he doesn't have an alumni weekend. I know he's associated with the Texans in some way, but it's still not the same as the organization that you played for. So it's good that those guys have a place to go and, and that they, they can have a uh, alumni weekend and, and kind of reminisce and, and talk about the, all the good times and some of the bad times and, and just feel like you're, um, you're not forgotten. Being an avid football watcher, you were broadcasting for a long time up in Seattle, yeah. still pay attention to the game. What, do you, what have you thought about the progression of the Texans to this point? They've had their highs, they've, yeah. <laughs> they've had their lows, but well, as an organization, where do, you, where do you think they are right now? I, I, think, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, you know, they've had some transition in the, in the organization with um, Rick Smith not being there as general yeah. manager anymore, and then you had Mr. McNair passing away. Um, but they've still stayed on course, and here they are, you know, two rounds into the playoffs, and that's been their bugaboo, getting past that first round of the playoffs, and they had an amazing game last week um, to come from behind against Buffalo and win that game, and now they've got to go up to Kansas City and play, but that's progress, especially based off of what they've done in the past. So um, they've got an exciting, dynamic young quarterback to build around, and I think as they build more pieces around him and maybe a couple more offensive linemen and another dynamic receiver, um, sky's the limit for this football team. What do you think of Deshaun Watson, not just as a player, but as a person? There was one day, and I know you saw, he wore your jersey. Yeah. He's always spoken very highly of you. What does that mean to you? What do you think about him in that leadership role? Do you see the guy that this organization can really count on for many many years to come yeah i really do and just the way he came on the scene you know in his first year he was putting up astronomical numbers until he got hurt um we saw what he did in college uh, winning a national championship at clemson going to two national championship games playing his best football in the biggest moments and and then you saw him last week play his best football in the biggest moment to win that football game and come from behind so yeah I love him as a football player, but he's even a better person. He's very soft-spoken. He's very uh, close to his mom, has a great family relationship, uh, does a lot of things in the community. So he's a guy that this city can be proud of as their quarterback for a long time. What does he ask you, if you don't mind me saying? Obviously, you don't need to share all of it. But what, what, what are the type of questions that come your way from a guy like that who's still continuing to develop his game? Yeah, mainly just about, you know, the past and, and how you handle certain situations, things like that. And um, all those young guys are just sponges. They, they just want to, they just want to hear stories about what you, what you did when you played, yeah. uh, who you, who you played against, uh, you know, what was it like to play against Lawrence Taylor? What was it like to play against uh, Reggie White guys like that? And, and you, you just try and share as much of the, um, 
the stories that you have, and then if there's any advice you can give, whatever it is they're asking, you try and give it. What was it like to play against those guys? <laughs> scary. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it was scary, but it was it, it was um, a, a high respect because, of course, you're not scared of anybody, but you also always had to be aware of where those guys were on the field and how you were going to block them. Mm -hmm. uh, were you going to put a back on them? Were you going to put a tight end over there? Were you going to chip them? Uh, because those guys made other players around them better because of all the attention you gave to them that yep. that allowed other guys to make plays so that's when you know you have a great player that you're playing against is when you have to make special concessions to stop that one guy and then it allows the other guys on their defense to make plays jj falls in that category now yes, he right does. Yes, i mean he what does. he did this uh, this past week against buffalo it must have it's must a, have really been impressive for you as a guy who's played this game and has seen injuries go you know, bounce back from those type of things. Yeah, for him to just fight back and, and rehab to the point to where he could even make himself available to play is one thing. And then to get out there on the field and actually make an impact, that, that just shows why he's one of the better players in this league, why he's a three-time defensive player of the yep. year, is because of that type of intensity, that type of effort and, and motivation. And he showed it in that game, and I think it really – pumped his team up it definitely pumped the fans up and that energy is something that that team needed to come from behind in that football game is it exciting for you to see a matchup like Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes how cool is that for you as a as a quarterback that played the position at such a high level yeah. to come from where you came from to see these two match up on such a big stage yeah and, and that's the thing the big stage you know they had met earlier this year in the regular yeah. season and yeah that's a good matchup but now you're in the playoffs this is where where it all counts, and they're in the divisional round, and, and these are two of the most most dynamic quarterbacks in the league right now, and they're and they're going up against each other. And uh, Deshaun won the earlier matchup, yeah. so great game. So there's going to be a lot of uh, revenge factor from the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's going to be a great, great, great matchup. And I, I think uh, this is what makes the NFL so good is you can have these type of matchups at this time of the season. But from you, uh, in your point of view, from where you came from, and all the different things that you went through. To see these two quarterbacks um, go up against each other, what goes through your mind when you look back on what you had to go through to kind of pave the way for some of these guys? Well, first of all, you want them both to play well. Yeah, and you don't know who to who to root for. You're torn. You're you're uh, uh, you're just conflicted, you know. Because I, yeah. I I love them both. You do you know, know Patrick too? I do know yeah, Patrick. Do? Yes, yeah. and. You know, we have the same agent, Lee Steinberg, oh, okay. when, uh, when I was playing during my year. So I met Patrick when he came out of school. Um, but I followed him when he was at Texas Tech as well because, you know, I follow the sport in general. Mm -hmm. But I want both of those guys to play well. I want them to perform well on the big stage. And, and whoever wins, wins. Um, I'm going to be sad for one of them. I'm going to yeah. be happy for the other one. But I just hope they both represent themselves well in the football game. And that's, that's all you can do at this point. But just to, to have them at this stage and, and, and be on this stage is, a, is a, something that really makes me proud and makes me stick my chest out a little bit. And you're having fun in life, too, right? you got I'm grandkids. Life, yeah. I've got, yeah. I've got four great uh, adult kids. I've got six great grandkids. And I get a chance to come down here and visit them all the time. And, and uh, we're having dinner tonight. And... Uh, <laughs> If there's not a birthday going on or a graduation or or some uh, athletic event they're involved in, I'm usually down here for something like that. So uh, it's a good time in my life. 
all you do is spoil the kids, right? And that's that's what you say. You I spoil fill them, them up, and I fill them up with a lot of junk yep. food and uh, candy. So my and dad I does. Send them back to their parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, you uh, one of, one of your uh, grandkids is a quarterback. Yeah, he's a young quarterback at uh, West Texas A and M University, and he's he's redshirted this past year. But looking forward to have big things out of him. He went to Austin High School out in uh, Sugarland uh, when he when he was uh, here in Houston mm-hmm. and had a really good career there and. Now he's in college, and uh, we'll see what happens. So what do you think? Who wins the Super Bowl? Well, we got to get past this weekend first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Everybody wants to know your predictions on yeah. the Super Bowl, but there's so much that happens before you get there. Let me I'll, – I'll answer that question when we get two teams in it. Okay. We'll invite you back then and talk I'd to you then. I'd love to come back. Awesome. Warren, thank you so much for yeah. being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me, Dan.